named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Orl and I'm joined by Mr. Sam Hunter. And yes, Sam, I did have to listen to last year's intro in the car on the way to work this morning to remember exactly what I have to say. How are you, mate? Good morning, Mark. Hello, listeners. Well done. That was good, wasn't it? Like, that was... <laughs> what, would the, what would be the word that I would use to describe that? Uh, professional, I would say. You're a seasoned professional. You could tell you've been doing this for three and a half years. Gen- genuinely, though, I, was, I woke up this morning and I was like, so I did it wrong last week. I can't remember <laughs> how I did it wrong. Why did I do it wrong? What do I say? Like a complete mind blank. So, yeah, I had to listen to the outro as well. So pressure's on later on. Nice. I think we got there. It's a good episode so far. <laughs> well, where can it go from, from here? So what I wanted to talk about... Um, today to, to kick off the episode is in regards to our first sponsor. Now, we've not had any sponsor on the show, and um, I'm hoping people don't think that we've sold out, which was... Well, we have sold out. The first this is purely, This is now a, a completely biased, purely commercial podcast, and all you'll be getting from us, dear listener, from this day out is just advertising. That's it. Yeah, and all of our guests are now going to have to pay to come on as well. It's the other thing that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're the anti Chris Watkin. We only take payment for people to come on our show. And we're going to get a Patreon account where you've got to uh, pay to. Yeah, six quid a month. We're already on OnlyFans, but we don't talk about that. So (laughs) that was our secret. Yeah, that is our secret. (laughs) No, all all jokes aside, I started talking to you about this sort of back in in December, and we're going to introduce our sponsor, which is a company called Revis, which is a basically 3D imaging company. And how this came about is purely from my personal experience of using the software and basically saying to one of the guys that runs the companies, how come more estate agents don't use this this software? And <clears throat> he, t- he turned around and said to me, I don't really know. Maybe they don't, don't know about it. But I've been a massive fan. And the reason I'm a massive fan is it helps us stand out from our competition when we are competing to get business from developers building new build properties so mm-hmm. what what the software does and I've, I've shown you a little bit about it but they basically build a 3d computer model of a property either an extension to a, to a property or probably the most common way that i've used it a new build property and um, you can pull off the CGIs from that, but where I really like it and where I've been really impressed is it allows you to interactively walk through the property. So they, they've produced for, for us, and I've sold a couple of million pound houses on, on the back of it. They produce a, thl- a fly-through video, so it, you can effectively have that on your right move listing, a fly-through video of showing showing the rooms. But I think where some in in our part of the country we found new builds difficult to sell off plan because people can't imagine themselves living there and developments will start to sort of 
uh, kick on with sales as they become more and more advanced and people can walk in and, and touch and feel them. But what this software actually allows people to do is, is walk through and actually see the measurements of the house, see the house at different times of day. But where, where I think it's really cool is that they, they can also change stuff. So I've had people come into the office when they're thinking about buying a new build property and say, well, what would that look like if it didn't have a magnolia wall uh, because we're actually going to paint that dark green or actually our kitchen mm. that we want isn't like that. It's actually going to look like this. And you can actually, um, they have a catalog of assets and you can build your own assets in there so that actually you can personalize your house before you've bought it, before it's even built. And you can actually start the interior designing process. So that's why I was quite keen to to talk about it because as you know, I like a bit of tech and this is probably my favorite bit of tech. And as I say, I can't believe more estate agents don't, don't know about it. So um, they're going to be sponsoring uh, the podcast for the foreseeable future. And if you have got any, any questions about it, you know, feel free to reach out to me on, on social media and I'll be able to explain exactly how I've used it. If you are looking at growing your, your new homes department and trying to show developers that you can do something different rather than just use CGIs to market a, um, a new development. I think it's really, really interesting piece of kit. You should check it out. Yeah. And I think uh, when you came to me this, um, just looking at it, it, it's one of those things that kind of makes sense. Um, and, you know, we're, we're appreciative for somebody coming on and sponsoring the show, which is very cool. Uh, it wasn't something that we actively went and sought out, but the opportunity was there and we thought, see what happens. Um, and I think just for everyone listening at home, Mark wasn't reading off a script or anything like that. He was <laughs> basically talking with his eyes closed about his actual experience. So there is a bit of authenticity and a bit of genuineness uh, to this hashtag ad. Um, and and we won't be going through that spiel week in week out. But we, you know we will sort of be saying brought to you by Revis, and I think that's you know that's a cool place to be, and it shows the evolution of the podcast as well, and, and the sort of traction that hopefully we're getting in the value that we're delivering everybody uh, each and every week. So long. Long may that value continue. Uh, and obviously we're open to other million pound agreements as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you said you wouldn't disclose that. Um, anyhow, <laughs> should we dive in and introduce today's guest? Yes, let's. Back for his second spot on the show. Today's guest will be well known to many of our listeners. He has lived and breathed state agency for the better part of 15 years. And he is a multi-award winning qualified elite performance coach for state agents and believes that the right mindset can unleash incredible power both inside and outside of your business. Given that January, we were originally going to record this in December, but we decided to park it till the new year. So given that January is all about planning and implementing the best version of the future that you can imagine, we thought this was the perfect time to get him back on the show. Rob Brady from Iceberg Digital, welcome back to the World Class Agency podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming back on. I think actually January is a perfect time, isn't it? It is the perfect time uh, for for all the will in the world of doing a lot of planning in December and everything like that. It's really easy to keep in that planning mode and not actually go out and implement and take some action and and start putting one foot in front of the other. So uh, I'm fired up for today. I think we're going to have a good conversation. Definitely, yeah, definitely. All all about implementation. I've got tea, tea and coffee. I've had this morning, so I'm charged, ready for everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Now, before we start talking about implementation and sort of putting those plans in, in place, Rob, how we start every episode, um, obviously, you know, you know the question. And last time you joined us, you said that world class agency was all about the person. Has it changed? And and this time around, what does world class estate agency look like to you now in twenty twenty three? It is still people. Um, like, and that's quite surprising coming from someone who works in a tech company. 
Um, it it is down to the individuals within the company. I one of the things I actually work with clients or talking about was talking about their identity and unlocking their identity, and that comes then to the essence of like customer experience, people, how people feel about you, how you then promote your brand. So yeah, yeah. it's always people. Um, that doesn't change because I've always been that people person in the core when I was an agent myself. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? And actually in uh, perhaps a more uncertain market, uh, I don't, I don't uh, certainly this, this week uh, or last week, let's call it. So second week of January, uh, I came back and I was like, wonder what it's going to feel like. And there was certainly elements of, we're not sure what's going to happen this year or anything like that. But if you, if you look at the reality of the market and certainly in the, I, I probably had somewhere between like 50 and 70 conversations last week with, with those agents and with a handful of agents. And they were saying that we're still getting inquiry. We, we held everything back from boxing day. We listed them in January. You know, we're getting people through the door. Are we getting offers? Not as many as we would like. And some properties that are new to market, none, but there's not, there's not a dearth of activity. Um, and it's mm. about when it coming back to people, it's about, well, how do you get people to see that as the reality? How do they keep reminding themselves of that reality? So have you got any tips on sorting the, like the reality of your business, understanding your own numbers rather than getting caught up in, in the hype of the market? And also everyone else talking about their stuff as well. Yeah. So the first question, I when I speak to people and they ask me about, um, how they're getting on every business is unique so everyone's experience of it so someone might be happy listing four properties a month and some people might be happy listing 20 30 properties a month so like it's easy to go how's your business and they go I'm doing okay or it's good on based on their own expectations against their reality one of the things I actually ask clients I say to them is I always go back to them and say to them okay like if you were driving a car on a motorway and we, we look at the last five years, not just the last two years, because it's been like a massive roller coaster and waves of just people colliding into the market. Like the analogy I always say to them is, have you been going at like 120 miles an hour and you're driving down to 70? Or are you actually at like 70 and you're now speeding down to about 30 in the, in the form of your market activity? And I said, so that gives you a perspective because then they go, actually... Yeah, like Rob, like we're at 70 now. So we're actually like where we wanted to be a few years ago and where we were quite mm. happy with that, rather than chasing the unrealistic expectations that you're constantly going to be getting these numbers through the door. Um, and then you can plan yourself better because we've all seen it as any industry or as the world sort of opened up and people started to earn some really good money from the, the lull we had. It's easy to get caught up in the expectations thinking this is going to be it for life and I'm going to invest in cars, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put all this, I'm going to get loads more staff in and all of a sudden it's like, no, there is going to be some cliff edge you're going to come to where you're going to go, oh my God, I've got mm. all this experience. So um, going back to like your original question around, um, I mean, from, from what I've seen the last month or so with clients who have been speaking to them, you're right in what you're saying, Sam, like, listings are still coming to the market but there's not like the 20 30 people out there there's 10 but then is that a bad thing mm. like you're only going to find one person to buy that house or mm. one couple one family and the same with renting so like don't be busy fool saying i've got 30 40 listings on this uh, viewings on this particular property because you're still going to get the same end result 
Um, I, I think you're exactly right. And actually, a uh, conversation that I had yesterday, um, and I wrote this down because I was like, damn, I'm going to talk about that on the podcast. And I think it it lines up really well uh, with what you just said there. When you talked about agents going 70, and that's the speed that they were hoping to go at at some point in their life. Uh, agent said to me yesterday, no one's got a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I said, I agree with you. There is no such thing as a crystal ball. But And and this takes me back to some stats that Gatesy posted, uh, I think, on LinkedIn last week. The market now resembles a market just prior to what we were experiencing in COVID. And everybody was not complaining about that market back then, but was mm. getting through it. And they had businesses that weren't falling off cliff edges. They had businesses where they had good people in there and they had businesses that focused on prospecting every single day a lot of good buyer and seller service a lot of good landlord service a lot of good tenant service as well and those things fell by the wayside when it got to there was 30 people in every house so geez we can't call them back someone will make an offer and let's just worry about the next one and yeah. and i think if anyone's listening to this and and you want to that's why i asked the question you want to separate yourself from that new cycle and separate yourself from what your nearest competitor is saying because everybody listens or reads given that we're all on linkedin or all on facebook not necessarily what everyone else is saying but you certainly keep an eye on what your neighbors are saying right yeah and how do you separate yourself from their doom and gloom or how do you look past the chest beating that often goes on as well it's understand what you got to do understand the market that you find yourself in and just make sure you keep reminding yourself of that what are the basics that we were doing in 2019 because that's going to mm. see us through in really really solid stead in 2023 100 I, I i call it making sure you maintain your intangible assets so like your intangible assets is like your systems your processes your brand identity your customer experience your customer data like you have to keep all that in check because that what makes you unique um mm. so a lot of people who that you're right sam what you're saying you know a lot of people just got caught up in the out there doing the business and that and then forgetting like hang on like prospecting isn't for tomorrow it's for like a month two three four one year like i had one the other day a client had a pros person convert 25 months later after doing an instant valuation and you can mm. see you can see the journey that person went on so like if you were just in that short-term mindset just thinking for the now you're never you're always going to be stuck competing with everyone else out there and 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 having that when the market dips, you're struggling within that because you are within that market period rather than building your market from month, two months, three months, two years, three years, four years back. I think I think you're right, Rob, that probably over the last couple of years, some of those intangible assets are really quite, quite like that with your systems and your processes and the way that you've done things maybe in your business for years or the way that you've improved them over the years may have gone out of the window as you're just sort of fighting to, to deal with, with the demand. But we're also now in a market that some people prefer to play in, in my opinion. We've had hmm. people approach us towards the end of last year and now over the last couple of weeks that have said, we looked um in the summer or last year but it was too frantic and we didn't want to want to operate in that so there are actually some people that will prefer to operate in this in this market now but i want to just sort of circle back to your world-class agency um answer if i can rob and you said about unlocking the identity of the people within your business and obviously you do quite a lot of coaching now how do you help individuals within a business unlock their identity so that they can sort of really shine and make this a people business with identity rather than just a corporate face, I suppose. Really interesting question. 
Mm. Um, first part is I'm going to put a warning out there. If anyone, if anyone gets annoyed by this, especially leaders get annoyed by this, then you need to look inside yourself at why you're getting triggered by it. But it is a leadership problem. It all is. Like, and you can't turn around and blame your staff because you're leading your team. So if they're not the right staff, you need to have those conversations about either you help develop them as human beings or you get them to realise that your company or your team or your the industry is not the right place for you to them to be operating because they're obviously not happy. Mm-hmm. So like as a leader, you need to lead your team. You don't manage your team. And then also, once you start to realise that, you need to start looking at your own self as how you lead yourself and your team then you open up a real vulnerable self-awareness self-healing stage that you have to go through as a leader about why you are the way you are so like going back to what you originally said that mark it's really interesting like somewhere down the line you've got to draw a line and just not complain like you can complain about the market being too busy and then you can complain about the market not being too busy so like what one are you going to want which one do you want to operate in do you want to operate in one which is going to be I like to hustle and bustle and I like a really busy market or I like the grind and the real true estate agency within that market. And you see a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, where they moan about both markets and their leaders and thinking like, how uninspiring you must be working, like to be working for because you're not not charging it. You're not trailblazing. You're not trying to get your team and motivate them. So imagine going into your office each day thinking, oh my God, like what place you'd be inspired to work with? But going back to what you originally said, it is a people thing. And it, it and it's very hard because when you go down that route, you have to look at removing your ego and like what makes like, and this is stuff which a lot of clients I work with, it's not just life cycle. Like we have guys who train in life cycle and we've got training guys who do the basics to that. What I've started to really look in is blending coaching and mentorship with mental well-being and mental health and getting them to understand it so i'm trying to go down the route at the moment which is called cbc which is basically cognitive behavioral coaching so it's a it's born on the base of the psychology of all of it but you implement it in a coaching style because what i've seen more and more of it is like the reasons why you don't do content and the reason why you don't do this and your perfection is because you've got imposter syndrome and you need to overcome your imposter syndrome to understand, like you need to understand why you've got imposter syndrome and the triggers and everything and your limiting beliefs that you're installed through as a kid. So it's it's a question I could probably talk about for ages. Can, can I ask a follow-up on that? I, so um, on the leadership point, you made yeah. a point there of, of leaders if you're a coach, right? So can you... Uh, just go a little bit deeper on that for everybody listening because um, we've got an interesting mix of, of listenership on this show, right? Predominantly, it's independent business owners, but there are also a number of people who are leaders within bigger businesses. And then we've got, you know, negs and people like that as well, who I think are aspiring to either be one of those other things. Um, and I agree with you. Leadership is vital in all times, um, mm. not just crisis, but in, in, in all times. So talk us through how like the a coaching style it, uh, is the leadership style? Oh, it's a great one actually because I'm doing a, a currently doing a master's on coaching and mentorship within leadership and management. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so no, no, literally, you don't want to see those notes. It's a struggle <laughs> with me. I, I'll be honest with you, like being a vulnerable part to it, I worked out I've got ADHD. So trying to do a master's and writing and reading, like mm. Jesus, it's a whole new level for me. With regards to leadership, 
you have to have certain processes and systems in place. If you so you're talking about like how you lead as a leader with your within your team. Yeah, and and then how do you bring coaching? Like so, like if everyone's listening to this and they've got a morning meeting after they're listening to this on a Wednesday morning, how can they bring a, a tiny piece of coaching into yeah. that meeting? Okay, so you have to rephrase your mindset that you are coaching to unlock people rather than telling and teaching people under a management style so the first part is it's easy to be a manager and tell people what to do but you're never going to empower people and they're never going to do it themselves because you're basically spoon feeding them mm-hmm. so the first thing to do is stop telling and ask them questions so the simple thing of just literally being curious as a as a leader and also being an explorer as a leader rather than just being fixed. So explore why they're feeling their certain ways and why they've got certain traits and why they've got certain opinions around certain processes and, and systems you might have in place. So first thing I would say is recommended thing is if you're a leader and you're trying to implement a process within a business, there's one rule that you could do. So you sit people down So say, it's, for example, it's like booking a perfect market appraisal. You could think of your own version of it back from when you started doing market appraisals and you actually answered the phone 10 years ago as a leader. And that's your version on it. But things have might have moved on from there and people have different empathy and different styles of doing things. So say you said, right, I want to book a perfect market appraisal from the moment someone calls up to the physical part we're sat in the front room. Sit down with your team and go, right, no one talk to each other. Give you 15, 20, 30 minutes write down your perfect market appraisal every single process that you have within that like from them how you talk to them the questions you ask how you finish it what we send out before how we how we get to the point where that we're sat in that front room and then once everyone's finished you give them the time to finish it they don't feel like they're rushing and feel pressured then say to write everyone be silent and everyone just had their view on how they would do the perfect market appraisal. And it's no judgment. There's no vulnerability. We're not going to say it's wrong or right. Allow everyone to have those same conversations. And then you then have collectively a conversation about why someone's a bit different to theirs. What what bits that they liked about theirs, what they didn't like about theirs. And then you can then create your master version on how to book the perfect market appraisal. Hmm. So that any one point further down the line, if there's any discrepancies on why that isn't happening then you can pull it out and go to team go right guys remember when we sat down and we did this together and we created this and everyone said it was great like we're getting stuck on point 15 which is after the market appraisal what gets sent out and we said we we're going to deliver something within two days and actually it's turned into five days and that's just the day before so like what do we need to change to then improve it rather than I've created this pro- proposal. I think it's the best and you've got to just implement it and get on with it. And then feeling frustrated as a leader about why they're not following it. And would you, would you encourage teams to do that with all different levels of experience within the business? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because um, it's really interesting. We've got new members of staff that are coming into companies who are 18 years old but I've had no estancy experience and using life, our life cycle system, like, and they're getting it and they're understanding stuff. And we've got people at the other end of the spectrum who have been in the industry 20, 30, 40 years have got so closed off with how they do stuff that sometimes it's a damaging part to the business because things have moved on. Like people experience things differently now than what they did 20, 30 years ago. Um, so you're right. I would say exactly that. You have to include everyone. It's not hierarchy. And that's where it comes different 
African leaders. And then a second part is something which I've been writing up on is what you call the golden thread model. I've written about and spoken about it before. So the golden thread model within coaching and mentorship is getting people to, from, from literally from someone who's just a negotiator or an admin person all the way to the leadership side, how you get inclusivity and actually one collective direction. So this might be a bit veering off to thinking, oh my God, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Basically, as a leader you or management, you decide roughly what you think you'd like to achieve within the next year or two years when you set a target. And then you then decide, so you include then departments or people within those processes that will have a say within that and then get them to agree within it, get them to say how their department's going to contribute towards it. So say they want to turn over a million quid and you've got a lettings department that's uh, 500 and they, you're going to try and get them to 600. The, the, the team leader is going to say, right, this is how we're going to try and achieve that as a collective goal towards us achieving the old greater goal as an organisation. Hmm. Then you then then they can talk around, okay, who are the individuals and what do you reckon they're going to have within that? And then that leader then goes down to that singular level of those teams within that and say, right, this is our goal. Do you think it's realistic? Do you think it's viable? And then having them buy into it. And then the second part is getting them to actually go, okay, so if we're doing 600 and you you feel that we can achieve that extra 100 grand, like what's your how are you going to achieve it? Like, so what, what are you going to do? I'm going to book more market phrases. Well, I'm going to go and do door knocking. Or I'm going to go and do this. So I'm going to do that and get them to physically rewrite their own CVs and then get those CVs rewritten. Or not CVs, like one-to-one notes. So basically it's like, this is your job description. Hmm. So you've told me your job description is this. So rather than you go into a person saying, right, this is your targets. This is what I'm going to tell you to do. It's completely flipping it saying, right, what do you think you can achieve? Like, what, where do you think you can grow? Where do you think that we can develop this brand so you feel like you're a part of that journey? And at least then when you come to your one-to-ones, you can pull out that job description and say, right, remember when you wrote this? Like, you said you were going to do 30 viewings a month or book 30 viewings, but we're hitting 20. So where can I support you as a leader in achieving the 30? Or what's changed that is in, like you're struggling that bottleneck is at 20 and now you said it was going to be 30. So what are you finding that's difficulty you were not achieving that goal for yourself. So when you start to do that and you bring it back up to the senior level and you've got all those different job descriptions and those departments and everything like that, everyone knows their accountability towards it. And that's important. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it really helps like the performance reviews are only uh, tough conversations when one side uh, gets hit with something they might not expect. Right. So yeah. if you're sitting there and you're setting almost laying the bricks of the path that you want to follow, right? And I imagine the reason why it's called golden thread is because they're between each department, right? That golden thread's what ties everyone together to get where you want to go. Yeah. Um it, it gives you a real opportunity to help your team self appraise and get yeah. them to understand that you're not there to judge them, you're not there to look down on them, you're there to support them. But they've they've got to ask themselves the same questions that you'll probably have to ask them if they're not going to. Um, and that gives them a taste of leadership, right? Um, and a taste of responsibility rather than like a taste of fault. So I think that's a really interesting point. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I think um, when you start to, like going back to what I said at the beginning, like if you aren't a leader who is of that mindset thinking that way or you can't have those conversations, then it's never going to work. So that's where it comes back to like management, leadership, inspiring the team from the ground upwards rather than, 
pushing them down saying right we're going to tell you what to do um even another part when i was back in agency we used to even have a part of our one-to-ones was more, more around the individual's growth as well mm. some of the questions we'd ask them was like when did um what have you learned this month that um you found something new that you've learned this month outside of work like asking about the books they've read things that they've done so getting people to understand like almost a self-development and self-education because then if you un- get people to unlock that even like tell us something about you you learned about someone else in the company that you didn't know anything about like based on the responses you give you start to then create a collective culture from ground level all the way up to the top and as we talk there's loads of talk about culture but actually the way you've just explained it there is a really good and i think fairly straightforward because you explained it so well way of actually changing culture if that's not something that you that, that you do so i feel like we've had a bit of a coaching session uh, this, this morning to be fair <laughs> but i want to um just talk about you mentioned earlier your intangible assets can we just yeah. talk about perhaps either one of those intangible assets or another thing that all agents if they haven't got it right need to sort it out in the next okay. couple of weeks and make sure that they've got nailed for this year ahead what's one thing that you think is going to be really important to succeed in in 2023 other than what we've spoke about already so for anyone out there it's a tangible versus intangible assets a tangible assets is like a fleet of cars you might own the premises the stationery even down to a stapler in your office they're tangible assets you can blow your lens book intangible assets is stuff that doesn't really physically exist and if you research into it from literally the 70s all the way to 2020, even pre-COVID, it's been flipped to seesaw side up. So it used to be all, value of business is all best, used to be around your tangible assets. Most of it now is based around intangible assets. And that was even pre-COVID the last time I looked at this. Put it into like agency terms rather than just worldwide terms. I've had two clients who have literally sat side by side opposite with each other, as most agents are in most traditional towns. They've used the system one is really invested into their intangible assets and the other one's like dragging, dragging, dragging. And as like the years have gone on, it is polar. Literally one's, one's starting to veer off and the other one's complaining about the market being crap and the other one's saying, I'm really, really loving this market because <laughs> they're, taking, they're taking their business. Yeah. So like intangible assets, the massive thing I would say on tangible assets for me personally is all about brand identity. Because brand identity unlocks the true essence of the individuals within the company. So, and that can ooze into other intangible assets like your systems, your processes. If you haven't got brand identity and you don't have the right team to have your brand identity, then as much as you want to put your systems and processes in place, they're not going to work because you've got the wrong people in, involved within that. Hmm. that. If you want to develop your marketing strategy and you and you haven't got the team who want to go with you on that, you're never going to develop a marketing strategy because it's all going to be back on yourself to try and do that. Um, like if you want to try and do prospects and lead generation and you haven't got the right people within it because the brand identity is wrong, you're going to struggle within that as well. So uh, this is the hard part because we're coming into January, but sometimes you have to really look at your team and have those awkward conversations about like mm. whether they are right for you as a brand going forward, especially when we come into these more difficult markets and letting them go because sometimes like I've had those awkward conversations as a manager and, but it's been done in such a way that I've said to people like, you're not, you're, this is not the right career for you. And I think like, this is what I see in who you are and what you are, the greatness about you and why this should be not, you're not, you're having that friction. And those people have gone off to do amazing things in, in their, in their careers. 
So for me, like brand identity comes back to going back to what you originally said, Mark, like if you're sat there and you're thinking of what do I need to do this year? Like you need to be authentic as a company, like authenticity. And that's not airy fairy shit. Like you need to actually be authentic, go to the deeper root of yourself. So one of the things I always say to my clients is when you're posting content or you're doing something, and you're doing a process rather than thinking, okay, is this perfect? Go back to, is this authentic? Mm. Because then like it removes the inability, like it removes the perfectionism in all of us and actually gets stuff out there and gets it out out there done. And if it's authentic, it still locks in within your true essence of who you are. I love that. That that immediately gives you permission to to push publish. Uh, And that's what so many of us, like three of us in this room, hands up, still battle with more often than not, right? I, I remember I was, you go through levels. There was moments in time where I remember sitting on my front stairs back in england and i have like my cap back on backwards and i have my man bun drinking a cup of coffee just talking shit and i didn't care and then suddenly you know business got a little bit more serious and we're like well this could be something suddenly i was like well i don't want to make a bad impression instead of just being myself and we all go through it don't we yeah yeah right i think like when you look at you can't have the, the 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 authentic line of oneself is between business and personal life. You can't mm. have two masks. Like that's where you that's where you create a mask in your business. Who you are behind closed doors is beautiful enough that the world will accept you. So you need to then bring that into your business front because if you'll find your own tribe. But there's like Mark and I spoke about it only last week on like what well, we, we did a coaching mentor and leadership podcast around it. And Mark said to me, and it's like most people are hiding behind a mask. So like if you step out that front door and you've got a mask on for your business side to it and where you operate, and that could be at like negotiator level, admin level, all the way up to leader, like that's not going to be good in it. Cause you're just basically hiding from the world for like eight, nine hours a day. Like that's mm. going to really, that's where mental wellbeing and mental health start to kick into. It. And then that then affects your ability to really shine as a superstar within your one life that most people get. I, I love that. I've just written down who you are behind closed doors. It's beautiful enough that you should show the world. I think that's a really poignant point. Um, and and one that we don't talk about enough on this show. You know, we, we're always going on about consistency, system, processes, what you've got to do, really practical estate agency stuff. But I think understanding maybe this is the year, this is what changes it for you and gets rid of that uncertainty and that anxiety is just being yourself all day yeah. at work. Um, and then all day when you get home as well, because it's a hell of a lot easier just to be you than it is to have to be somebody else. And that's probably why you're getting to the end of every day and you're just sapped of energy because you are wearing that mask. And it, you know, it might be a heavy one at times. Draining. And, but and you, when you go down this route, you will find though, it's a it's a journey of exploration around this. So even if you are sat down, someone who's um, thought, yeah, that actually that's me like removing the mask is going to be a difficult thing. So you need to make sure you have your support network around you, but also you're going to find that probably for the first two years, one, two years, people aren't going to get you. They're not mm-hmm. going to get you because you're probably in the wrong environments for you to cher- flourish. So going back to like, um, Carl Jung is a, is a great psychology theorist. Right? So he created, um, person centered counseling therapy which is a great blend between like your CBT that most probably people have. And then obviously like proper psychotherapy. 
And he talks around the analogy of a, of a potato in a basement. And he said, the potato is a potato in a basement. It might be in a sack and there might be a crack on the window across the other side of the room. But the potato will still try and create a stem or growth or root towards that to try and find the light. So that's a journey in itself. Like, so when you start going down this route and if it is something, you know, I'll, I can go off another tangent because I'm passionate about that side to it. And you know, you know it well enough, Sam. Um, time to remove the mask, but ultimately like, first you need to understand like, who are you, who you are as an individual and what you want, what you want out of life. And then you can mm. then start, okay, is this the environment I want to be within? Um, if not, like where, where do I want to go afterwards with based on like who I really want to be? Like, you know, some, like, it's amazing. Like, you know, when I look back in agency, some of the people who were great valuers were crap managers, like put them into that position. Like they, they deflate themselves straight away because their, their skill set is not managerial. Their skill set is talking to people and having those conversations and getting that buzz out of stuff. So, um, yeah. I think uh, that was a good place to take it. And actually it leads me into where I think would be useful to to wrap up our conversation today, which is probably slightly less about the state agency or even uh, some of the other stuff that we've just been talking about now, but um, I reckon we'll end up back there somehow. Um, Mark and I and everyone listening just want to say congrats to you for becoming a dad last year. Uh, we were talking a bit about the twins uh, and Kelly off air before we hit record. And, um, you know, we were both saying this morning, like it's been wonderful watching you and your family grow like through social media and everything like that. And we were keen to ask you like, what's, what's the best lesson that being a dad has taught you so far? Being in the now, like having, having the children sat in front of you and then being just in the, in the innocence of their own world that they haven't discovered yet. Hmm. And like them having a little rattle or having a play and you locking eyes and eyes, it grounds you. Like you, it's easy for us to be led by the past, which no one can change that. So somewhere down the line, you need to draw a line with that. And it's easy to get wrapped up in the future about earning the millions and I want to make this and make that. But there's nothing more beautiful that when you sat in front of your twins and they've grounded you into the present day. Mm. Um, especially for me, because I've got a huge ADHD brain. So I'm always <laughs> overthinking about 500,000 projects in my brain going on. So massive thing I've learned from that part to it is, but also like, so one of the things I'd probably come back to is, um, if you, if you're seeking change, so like the twins were a change in my life. So when you, when you, if you want to change, you have to change your identity at the same time. You can't expect to change and then stay the same person. So what I've biggest thing I've learned also is who I was Rob pre babies and what I did moving into like Rob now twin dad, I've changed as an individual. So I've had to adopt and change my daily role and who I am and where I put my energy and the things I say no to now and things I say yes to. So if you, if you don't think, okay, well, I'm going to stay the same person. And then you're always going to have conflicts because it's mm. you're always going to your expectations versus reality is always going to be conflicting. That make that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Actually, them when you were saying that they keep you present and in the now, uh, I was reminded of I think it was Jerry Seinfeld, and he he has a joke about junk time, 
and he, he talks about parents always wanting to spend quality time with their kids. And, and he's like, what do they mean by quality time? Is that like going to Disneyland where it's you and 50,000 other kids and you're just worried about what you're lining up to or anything like that? He's like, I just want junk time. I want to sit there and stare at my kids. I want to listen to them read the same book that I hate, but they love over and over again. I want to watch TV with them, right? And I want to waste time as often as I possibly can with my kids because that's the whole point of, of enjoying your kids. And, you know, there could be people listening to this who are thinking, last thing I want to do is sit there and watch TV with my kids. But you do it and you hold their hand or they hold your hand back, right? And there, yeah. there is genuinely, you're seeing everyone, for everyone playing this at home, you're seeing three guys just silently nodding at each other while we're having this conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, give me that any day of the week. You know, so I completely understand exactly what you're talking about. And it is it is genuinely the best thing ever. And it makes you forget whatever else is going on, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. And unlike the beauty of working from home as well, I spend so much more time with them. And I've had the honor of actually being a part of that as a dad. Mm. Back to like how I, if I look back in my old traditional estate agency days, I'd leave at seven and I was back at 10 and I was work obsessed. But that didn't lead me down the right path of my own mental health. So even from growing from there and the journey I've gone on to be able to be in a privileged position where I come off this and I go into the twins, mm. I go for a run, come back and they're there. Like it's it's a lovely experience to be able to be in my life where I have that as mm. a as a dad. No, I I would agree with you uh, 150%. Um, Rob, I just want to say uh, thank you again uh, for one separating yourselves from your twins on a Tuesday morning. Um, I was hoping that they just like pop up behind your shoulders as we're having this conversation. But for from from Mark and I and from everybody listening, I think talking about being your authentic self, understanding how you can act as a leader, the exercises you can go through to encourage more of that leadership and responsibility uh, within the business, and and things to focus on whether they're intangible assets or otherwise as this year progresses and realizing that actually you've got to control over the majority of stuff that's going on. It doesn't have to be what the headlines say it be. There's a hell of a lot of value in there. And I'm, I'm really grateful for you giving us the time again. Uh, so from us and everyone listening, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. A massive thank you once again to Rob Brady from Iceberg Digital for joining us today. So I said it felt like a bit of a coaching call as we, as we were going through it. I've got loads, loads of notes, but actually it all came back to leadership and you could really tell Rob's passion for you know a number mm. of topics there, but particularly the leadership as it just came out and he started um, explaining something that we talk about, you know, in terms of, in terms of culture, he started giving us some really sort of tan tangible ways of actually putting that into, into place with his um, golden thread model, which I really liked. Yeah. I think to myself, uh, one of these days we should, hire out studios whether they're on the same side of the world or other side of the world and get and, and get our guests in a room with us so that we were able to record the visual or publish the visual yeah. as well as the audio because you could hear it and everyone listening would have heard it in rob's voice just like the the tonality of it the pace in which he spoke uh, he was leaning closer in to his computer so the volume probably genuinely increased with his natural enthusiasm and i think you definitely get a sense for what he is passionate about and what he cares about and what he's really knowledgeable about through the audio, but couple that with him, you know, narrowing focus, looking at you in the eyes while he's talking about that. And you really get a sense that this is, he's found his vocation, Yeah, you know, um, talking about leadership and helping people understand their potential and, and reach that ideally within your organization. But if, if the, outcome of those exercises of finding out what matters to you and what you want to do and how you're going to go about solving whatever problems that you want to solve isn't to do with residential real estate mm -hmm. 
then perhaps you know that your your business your agency whatever it might be isn't the home for them and that being actually a really positive thing for you for the business and for them as well mm-hmm. so i mean i love talking about leadership um i i reckon my leadership skills have suffered massively in the last 12 months um because i haven't been able to tap people on the shoulder when i'm walking past them mm-hmm. or have a quiet five minutes with them everything's super formal so to hear some of that stuff that rob's learning about through his master's and articulated so clearly, I, I'm the same as you. I've got probably 25 dot points from that conversation. Um, and I don't usually take that many notes because it's really difficult to listen while you're typing. But yeah. selfishly, I didn't want to miss anything within <laughs> that as well because um, I think there's stuff that we can go and apply. Like you said, it's a bit of a coaching lesson. I'm like, okay, how do I improve my own leadership style? You know, Because mm-hmm. there's some things I can control, there's others. How do I figure out our own golden threads throughout that? We, we've just gone through an exercise similar to that where we outlined some pretty high level objectives for the business this year. Um, and we opened it up to the floor and we've got a town hall uh, that's delayed today. That was delayed meant to be last year, but the train strikes held it up where we're running through that. And we're running through the responses from each department that they collated and came with to try and understand, okay, which part of the jigsaw puzzle do we belong? So it was really quite heartening to hear Rob explain that as a sort of traditional management theory that we were like, this would probably be cool to get everyone involved, you know? And also it perfectly relates back to the very first answer he gave in regards to world-class agency being all about people, you know, that Mm. leadership and coaching style that he talked about empowers those people to perform to their very best to then give you the brand identity as as he talked about. It's kind of all just fits together really nicely. And you can understand why if you do get some parts of it wrong, then, you know, that all the pieces don't quite go together as as they should and you know you could see also that w- when he was talking about getting everybody in and getting everybody working um towards the same goal and, and setting their their own goal actually how powerful having that accountability but not in an mm. aggressive tell way in more of an ask way and then you've agreed it beforehand you can really see how that can move your business forward and really you know help with having a successful year, no matter what the market is, I know we only touched touched briefly on it, but no matter what the market is, if you if you go through the the methods that, that Rob discussed there and bring in the accountability and then the um, monthly performance reviews with that, you can really see how that's more likely to be successful than simply not doing it or doing it by just saying right, you've got to do this. Why aren't you doing this? Which is kind of the polar yeah. opposite and, of what you discussed. Yeah, I think actually on on that point of the market, you you, you raise a really I think excellent point within uh, that. And sorry, Rob, if you're listening back to this, that we're uh, divesting away from the value that you're brought. But Mark, you said something along the lines of this market is a market that some consumers prefer to play in. Mm. Um, and like, I think you, you kind of said it really nonchalantly, but I think it's a really powerful point. And actually what a great line or what a great piece of language to counter any potential seller who's nervous about coming to market because they're reading market crashing headlines or interest rates booming. And it's like, well, actually what we find is it, like we speak to people every day and this is what they've been waiting for because yeah. they didn't, they, they didn't feel comfortable competing with 30 other people. But if they understand that there's 10 viewings in a week and two or three and they're interested, that to them is what they expect from a marketplace. So they're really comfortable and they're really confident proceeding through it, you know, it's not to say they're not going to pay a premium price, but they know they're not going to be paying overs by 20 or 30%. And that's actually a really great buyer in, in today's market. And this, is, this isn't this is the only reason I said it, but I sold a house last week to somebody who actually in 
in the property as they were viewing no one of the questions i typically ask is you know how long have you been looking you know what have you seen and and, and all of this and i asked how long have you been looking and he said well we started last year but it was just too too frantic for us and they went on mm. to to have an offer accepted on that house they viewed it once and they had an offer accepted on it two hours after the viewing so these people are, are, are super serious but didn't want to get involved in you know six people viewing the house and then a bidding war mm. two, two, two days days later. So, you know, it's different markets suit different different parts of it. And I think that's really important to remember when we are, you know, you've, you've talked about it a lot last week and then on social media since the headlines are the headlines, we've got to take the context in them. But also we've got to find, you know, some of the positives with it to keep, keep our energy levels going because, you know, an important thing in this industry is about energy. And if you read all of those, negative market inevitably that affects your energy and you've got to try and make sure that you bring it up yeah on that point i i reckon i've probably had 25 to 30 like whether it's whatsapps or emails being like i'm looking behind the headlines now um or or i just am copying and pasting what i think the headline should actually say and sending that to my database on an email every single week and that like how cool is that to hear right because suddenly you become the new source and people will come to you to read like behind the lines of whatever that crappy headline is, knowing fully well that that headline is there to get clicks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or that headline is there to sell ads at six five on the nightly news. Yes, you're sending them information because one day you want their business, but you're not you're not winning anything by them reading that email then and there unless they are one of the people that's ready to rock and roll. So that that contextual like communicating the context, I think, is huge. And that's my boringly consistent messaging for mm-hmm. at least January. Yeah. So I, I, there was nothing in the news this morning that I could pick apart, sadly. And I was a little bit disappointed, to be completely honest. But I promise you there'll be something tomorrow and there'll probably be something the day after that as well. So uh, I'm going to keep doing that. And I think um, if I can relate that back to how we finished with Rob, um, that's – so me and me and Gaty uh, will often message each other headlines and be like, what do you make of this? And we'll talk about it, right? Because then we can pass those messages on to the team who might not yeah. think of the way our brains think. And that's us being our authentic selves. And both of us, I would say, we don't go out of our way to piss people off, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're kind of conscientious fellas, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think it's really important to start talking about that sort of stuff because it fires us up. It's like this this is stopping people from moving forward in their business, regardless of what they're spending and who they're doing it with or anything like that. They're going to be sitting around worried because they're just reading the four words in bold Mm. on a trade press and not understanding the reality behind it. So who are we not to communicate that context and, you know, maybe ruffle a few feathers here or there, but the reality is hopefully help some people go, you know what, it, it isn't actually bad. And we should be like having a conversation with somebody that this is a market that a lot of people have been waiting for that they want to play in. I think that's great. So it, yeah, it all ties in really nicely together. And um, hopefully uh, we've done Rob justice and hopefully everyone else got as much value out of today that you and I did. Yeah, absolutely. Conscientious fellas, I don't think you both deliver um, an awful lot of value. Um, so I can fully understand those conversations going on on between um, the two of you. Um, I must thank you once again to Rob Brady from Iceberg Digital for joining us. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please share it out on social media, share it with colleagues, reach out to Rob, Sam or I. Um, I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week.